My name is Tony Reed. Welcome to GAY, a program for LGBTI people and their friends on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM and other access radio stations around New Zealand. I'm returning today to, to a friend I interviewed a number of years ago when he was chair of Rainbow Wellington, Rawa Karatai. And since then, quite a lot has happened to him, especially his husband. Um, Kia ora, Tony. Nice to be here, Tony. Right. Uh, so, anyway, do update me with how things are going. Um, well, as you know, lots of ch- lots has changed. Um, I think if I take myself back to when I was the chair of Rainbow Wellington, uh, through that role I managed to get myself a seat on Ilga Oceania. Yes. Um, and we ran a pretty good conference all round, administratively a bit of a nightmare, um, but we did manage to get a really good regional conference. In fact, we had the largest per capita um, conference that Ilga's ever had in um, Oceania, so that was great. Following that, um, it was quite easy to see myself on Ilga World as the Oceania representative, um, and that has uh, brought a lot of challenges of its own and navigating international politics from a rainbow perspective and the various uh, rainbow organisations and all the politics from across the globe uh, in Geneva for the most part. And that's been an incredible journey. Um, And then I made a big shift down to Christchurch not long after that conference. It's been there for four years now and it's nice to be back here in Wellington to have a bit of a visit, but we are looking to buy and or build a place in Christchurch, so that will be really interesting. Um, And through my move down there, I certainly got quite involved in the rainbow community, as you'd expect, down there. Um, Set up a sports trust, um, which uh, services the LGBTI plus community, as well as um, helping out with Qtopia, which is a youth organisation, and involved in various uh, business association groups like Rainbow Canterbury and other organisations. So it's been a busy time since. Yes, and as I was saying, Frankie Woodbodley, your husband, is here as yep. well. How did you two get together? Well, on all good things, <laughs> on Grinder, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure the listeners can um, appreciate and appreciate what that's like. Um, I was actually posted down to Christchurch for work. Uh, at that stage, I was at uh, Internal Affairs, and um, I would habitually fly to Christchurch every six to eight weeks and help the office down there with their what I would call gnarly uh, operational issues so um, predominantly citizenship cases that were very very um, legally complex Um, and so my skill set was very much appreciated by the folk down there and um, my uncle had just passed away so I was down in Christchurch, uh, grief shagging the population, so to speak. Just not me. Just not Rawa. <laughs> um, anyway, so I ditched a friend who's also a colleague. Um, I was like, oh yeah, there's this really hot guy who wants to meet me for coffee. Uh, so I need to go. <laughs> See you later. Um, and we met up at West End Stories in Christchurch and um, had coffee. And within 15 minutes, we worked out that we'd both worked on the marriage equality campaign didn't know each other then um in those days I was a second year university student no actually I was in my first year of university uh studying law at Victoria and a Bachelor of Arts in political science and public policy um but long before then I'd been involved in human rights activism so 
yeah, we discovered our paths had crossed many years ago without us realising, and we knew all the same people. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, shit, I've met my husband, bugger. Uh, that's un- inconvenient. <laughs> I think what Frankie's trying to say there is that we <laughs> met with the first moment of meeting and we had coffee, but actually within that moment, Frankie realised after having an immediate conversation around human rights and immediately mm-hmm. talking about some of the work that uh, we'd both been doing um, in various degrees, realising that we'd been in the same uh, rooms probably multiple times mm. before um, <laughs> and are still very much passionate about the same campaigns that we were both working on either through the community, through Rainbow Wellington or uh, Frankie as a legal expert, um, often have our pathways crossed and just realising that actually there are people out there in the world that are quite like you and um, that are interested in the same sort of things. Mm. And um, Frank, Frankie later admitted uh, wanting to get married within that first meetup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it was. So it was. Very rapid. And thank you for inviting me to the wedding. Sorry I couldn't go. Oh, it was, mm, I think a lot of people thought it was rapid, but this was actually in June 2019. Hmm, So we met many, many, like two years prior, really. Yes, indeed. Mm. And Frankie, you're fairly open about being a trans man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you campaign quite a bit. That's how I discovered on the internet i was reading an article and i thought that name rings a bell oh i hadn't realized ah. that frankie was uh, that, you, that you were oh. transgender up to that point i can only think which article that might have been maybe my uh <laughs> plight around misogyny in the legal community I don't uh, know. Yes. but anyway yeah so um i transitioned when i was well when i was a child um and then i detransitioned uh, against my will um, don't really need to dwell on that topic too much. There was Jesus involved. Um, and then I retransitioned when I was uh, 19, when I went to university. So um, I was with a female partner in those days. So I went from being a lesbian to being a heterosexual. That was weird. Um, but I always knew I loved men, um, but I wasn't prepared to be with one unless I was seen as one. So it took me until I think I was 24 before I fraternised with another man. And and obviously that just wasn't an issue with you, Railway. You, you... Not at all. I mean, I've always kind of known that I was interested in masculine characteristics. Um, but even when I was younger, I used to have these kind of visions or dreams of um, being with a trans guy, and I just didn't know what it was or yes. or the language. Nor did I have an understanding of that when I was younger. It just seemed to pop up in my unconscious mind. Yeah. Um, some people might think they're visions. Um, I mean, essentially, it might be just my simple desires in a similar yes. way that um, uh, other uh, young LGBTI folk come out and yes. have to think and navigate through the, their own desires. Yes. And in a lot of ways, it probably explains why it took me so long to come out. As um, First, initially, as a bisexual, then as a gay guy, and then going back into the bi-plus um, area of um, sexuality. Or, um, yeah attraction of sexual identities anyway um, and for me it's about being androphilic which uh, if we break that down from a um, Greek mythology term it's um, uh, 
andro is uh, masculinity and philic is the sexual attraction too so yes. it kind of makes a lot of sense and as soon as i had that language to be able to describe who i was it was really quite simple i'd been a human rights activist for 15 years but at this point and i had to google it I see. and i'm a recognized legal expert in this area right, and i had no idea what he was talking about and i have to say when I saw that he outright put he was into FTM, FTM guys on his grinder profile, I did think, holy crap, he might be a, uh, might be a chaser. But um, absolutely not the case. And, um, yeah, I'm glad I let you, you know, yes. gave you some brownie points for that. But you wouldn't consider yourself pansexual or anything. That's the latest, <laughs> seems, to, seems to be the latest word that's causing a bit of fuss. Of course, the bisexuals think some bisexuals think it, don't like it because they think it. Well, it's really interesting. Though. So we've just had our International Bisexual Awareness Day. So yes, that was last week or yes. thereabouts, um, and it's really interesting. So I'm the inaugural chair of the Bisexual Steering Committee, oh. um, and my speech talked to the fact that actually bisexuality and pansexuality is just kind of the premise of what is the bisexual umbrella. Mm. And it's actually an umbrella term like rainbow would be considered. Or a, trans. Yeah, yes. or, yeah, would be considered an yes. umbrella term. So, no, I don't identify as pansexuality. Um, for me, pans means attraction to all genders, regardless of oh, um, sexuality. Well, yeah, regardless of gender. Um, so being attracted to all. And so uh, for me, that's not the case. I'm um, not attracted to femininity and... Um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of described with the sort of people that I've dated in the past. Um, and um, while there is the attraction to female people, it tends to, if I could be very stereotypical for a moment, mm. tends to be the kind of butch lesbian types. If you can vision that, um, yeah. even when they might not be a lesbian, uh, um, or the andro um, types like, say, pink would be a very prime example of somebody I'd be attracted yeah. to. Um, and um, characters like that. I'm just gay. I hate my own kind. I tried it. It reminded me of being a lesbian, so it's not for me. Uh, only like cis men, uh, which a lot of people find that really weird because they think because I'm trans I should be like all-inclusive and be pansexual, but women do nothing for me. And yet, interesting, people have asked me a question over and over again, don't you miss the appendage? And I'm like, no. Not not a um, yes. yeah, not, not a necessary thing that I need to have. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's yes. quite interesting because we were talking earlier about Todd's son Lucas, who you mm. know, who you know, and he similarly um, has a bo- um, has a boyfriend um, who who's clearly quite happy with uh, with. I can tell you, having man. having sampled a significant number of the male population in New Zealand <laughs> and overseas, um, <clears throat> they love it. Um, yeah, one of the one of the campaigns you were talking about earlier, um, earlier is is related to pregnancy, and I gather this has a also a personal a personal side for the two of you. Yeah, so um, we are going through the stages of navigating pregnancy for ourselves. So Frankie can naturally carry, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that I considered to be a priority in my life, but um, allowing other people to have that space to. Um, naturally um, carry their own children is quite important. Um, And in fact, we've just written a submission to the surrogacy um, law review um, project that's happening at the moment. Frankie can talk more to that. But um, yeah, the idea of having a naturally conceived child 
uh, and supporting a trans person, from my perspective, is really quite important. Um, and also, uh, I think I, even in my vows, I said that I'd always want to help protect Frankie. Mm. And navigating society, we will end up having to um, protect Frankie from society and the unconceived yeah. ideas of what it means to be a pregnant yeah. person in this world. And the challenges that that comes, like going to the gym as a pregnant man. Yeah, mm. yeah although... Um we go to Les Mills against my better judgment because I hate clicky, snobby environments. But um, the staff there have been amazing. Um, I had a chat to the manager. It would have just been before we went into lockdown 2.0. Um, and she thought I was there to make a complaint about the gym. And I was like, no, 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 I just need to talk to you about something that's deeply private in a way, private and public. Um, and she was like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. Yep, we can totally make sure that, you know, there are safe spaces in all of our gym clubs for you. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just accept the snobbery because they're actually nice people. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else can I talk to about that? Uh, so we're making a documentary about the journey. It is called... Uh, Timanaya Kahukura, which means the Rainbow Seahorse. Um, it is the second documentary of its kind uh, as a feature-length production in the world. There's only been one other, which was in the UK. It was released two or three years ago now. Um, but that followed the journey of a gay trans man who conceived via IVF in the end because he had fertility issues. And actually, he's a solo parent, so... Our story is very different um, yeah. in that regard. And um, we're incredibly lucky. Um, we checked out the fertility question up front um, so that we knew what we were getting ourselves into. And, um, I mean, we're chronic over overachievers in life and turns out we're extremely fertile. So for us, you know, it's not a question of, of if, it's a question of when, yeah. which we're very privileged to be in that position. Yes, mm. Yes, indeed. Have there been, I mean, one's, one's read a number of cases where a transgender man has born a, has born a child, but I, I, I can't remember any in New Zealand. So is this fairly, is, are there other cases? Uh, loads. So um, one person who's been in the media about it, um, Scout, had their child in, would have been 2018. Oh. Um, they were in the Otago Daily Times some of that coverage was consented to, other parts were not. Oh. Uh, and actually, um, I worked on the birth registration of that child. Oh, so anything rainbow or trans related um, that came through service delivery at DIA was um, across yes. my desk, which meant uh, that I had to um, distance myself from the community to a degree, um, yes. just to manage conflicts of yes. interest and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I've only actually recently been able to tell Scout that um, I actually worked on that project and it was quite nice talking to them um, because my recollection of how it went down and their recollection of how it went down was quite different and they were incredibly grateful for the work that was done. Yes. Mm. So uh, so what? Uh, how would the birth certificate be... Good question. ...be worded? Well... Um, so at the moment, uh, the operational policy is that uh, the default option, regardless of the sex on your birth certificate, is parent. And then depending on the sex on your birth certificate, you can have father if it's male or uh, mother if it's female. Um, 
that policy decision was made in an incredibly difficult political climate. Uh, it was when the Burst Death Marriages Bill was being placed on hold, and I was leading the operational project for that. Oh, by, by New Zealand First. Yeah, yes, by Minister Martin. So um, the Burst Death Marriages Bill that's currently before Parliament is going to fix that and make it beyond any doubt that a parent can have the title that they choose regardless of the sex on their birth certificate. So the difficulty in this space is uh, the Registrar-General is primarily responsible for anything birth, death and marriages related, but you have to take into the equation the entire political context, which is why it wasn't as progressive as we wanted. Mm. Just writing myself a note because I'm actually presenting in front of the Select Committee later this week, so um, I'm really keen to probably pick that up as a, as a oh, point yeah. to say, well, you know, one of the things that we'd like to do is actually have parents on the child's birth certificate rather than mother-father. Mm. Well, it's yes. the default position anyway, so you're kind of barking yes. up a tree that's oh, okay. already um, grown, darling. Yes, there's been a case like that. Suspect is in the States where a... Where a, 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 a oh, you're thinking of the British case. Oh, it's a, It is a British case. It's gone... I think it's at the Supreme Court at the moment. but um, He wants to be named father. He wants to be father. Same situation um, as as here, but the legal frameworks in the UK are very different. So um, in in the UK, the Human Rights Act does protect gender identity to a degree, but they have this separate regime of gender recognition certificates. Yeah. And it's quite different to our birth, death and marriages context. And, so, the, mm. and the general situation has regarding transgender people in the UK at the moment is not very good. Oh, do you mean the TERFs? <laughs> well, the government. Is, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's not great. It's constantly saying it's going to do things and then not do them. Uh, governments are good at that. As we know, it's taken uh, the Labour government four years now to get through what is a very easy change to the law. But, uh, to, but to be fair, they were in coalition, yes. uh, and the coalition yep. and the, minor, the uh, and the other party in the coalition yes. was more against it than even National or Act, as far mm. as one could see. Publicly, yeah. they were against it. Whether oh. or not that was the private views of the individuals concerned remains to be seen. Yes, well, um, that being said, though, uh, you know, it was very nice to be able to submit on the bill, which I've had a significant hand in. Uh, refining the drafts and the policy approvals. Uh, So I submitted on the bill on Friday. And, uh, you know, a lot of submitters like to bore the committee with legal analysis from Wikipedia that they already know. Um, And what I know is that the committee already know I'm a leading expert in that area from an academic perspective. So in our submissions, yes, we gave them technical legal analysis. But... um, I focus the submission on reality because, I mean, it doesn't matter how beautiful the bill is and how beautiful it's drafted. If it doesn't work in real life, then, um, you know, it's never going to work. So uh, we sort of uh, canvassed and Rao is going to reinforce this on Friday. Um, The fact that, you know, my birth certificate says I'm female because out of political protest, I'm not going to ask a member of the judiciary to sign it off (laughs) because they'll be pale male and stale and invariably cisgendered and heterosexual even though they're very nice people. Uh, And our marriage certificate says that I'm male, but it has my old female name on it. Uh, My passport says I'm male. Uh, I think my driver's license says I'm non-binary. Well, 
that the license record, not mm. the card itself. So, yes, I I knew that uh, I knew that quite a lot of things, uh, uh, quite a lot of documents have been changed already, mm. which leads to the obvious question to the Terps: Why are you so worried about birth certificates? People <laughs> people tend not to carry their birth certificate when they go to the toilet. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, well, I you know. So my parents are South African, and they have these weird books in South Africa called identity cards. Now, we, yes. I used to work in privacy. We don't have those in New Zealand because that's how the Nazis found the Jews. Yes. So um, politically, the idea of an identity card is quite unpalatable, yet we have passports and driver's yes. licenses that fill that void anyway. Um, but anyway... Uh, in these identity books, they had these crappy little birth certificates that kind of look like raffle tickets. So in South Africa, they probably do carry their birth certificates <laughs> and their marriage certificates and their house deeds <laughs> and everything else in between. I showed it to Rawa and he was horrified. <laughs> they are from the 80s, yes. so mm. they're not very sophisticated. Anyway, we've talked about some of the submissions you're doing mm. and, you, you, and you are also submitting or presumably have submitted on the, um, on the conversion therapy bill. Uh, we say we, but actually Rawa is a public servant, so he has to do his public servant job, oh, I and uh, I run our companies, so we keep things very separate, and a lot of people think that because we work in the same spaces, I know everything that he's up to, and he knows everything that I'm up to, but there's a very big Chinese wall in the house. Right, I see. Um, so uh, my policy team um, from... So we have a company, Karatai Wood Bodley & Co. Then I also own Queerly Legal, which is a separate entity. And um, between the companies, we have eight young rainbow and disabled people no, uh, and one ally, but um, his sister is gay. Uh, no, bisexual. And um, our policy team is four people. Um, and actually, the person who led the analysis on the conversion therapy bill is um, a chick called Ollie Morphew. She is 16 and a high school student, and she came and submitted with us on Friday, which is really cool. Uh, but she's amazing. She did most of the um, writing of the submission. I just basically proofread it and put all the logos on it, and then Rawa just came along and signed it for Ilga. Yeah. So. And so, as you're you're aware, I'm still a member of Ilga Oceania. Yes, Ilga Oceania um, have been across all of the submissions that we've put through to yeah, date, right. uh-huh. um, and have really endorsed our position through their companies, but um, and our yeah. membership through to Ilga to be able to push those up. And in a lot of ways, we get a lot of that support from Ilga with um, unvetted really um, support because they have absolutely loved the participation that we've had since. Um, I've been a member with Rainbow Wellington. Yes. Mm. And, of course, being a public servant um, doesn't mean to say you can't submit. I mean, I, I, I submitted when I worked and when I actually worked in Parliament. Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess for me it's just there's a couple of times where, especially when yes. it comes to health, because I work at the Ministry of Health, that I've yes. got to be careful or say um, our, our joint company, we can't be involved in this because it's too close to my work. Mm. However, um, with the birth, um, deaths and marriages registrar yes. um, bill... I always miss an extra hour. Just call it BDMRR, yeah. Bill. Um, so with that one, I'm going to be putting in a personal submission. In fact, right. I have already written the personal submission, right. submitted that, and we'll speak to that on Friday. 
Um, and that really is around my own personal experiences of supporting trans people throughout my life as a rainbow advocate and a supporter for the community. Um, so I'll definitely be submitting on that. When it comes to organisational perspectives, as the sole Ilga Oceania representative, um, I've got the mana of the country and the standing here is, um, I guess, a tangata whakaha, um, sorry, a tangata whenua representative as well to speak on behalf of the New Zealand members of ILGA, so that's my duty. Well, you have moral authority, <coughs> darling. I did marry Mr. Marriage Equality. <laughs> and, then, and then there's those sorts of things where... Um, yeah, yes, yes na- that's names, when I first met Raul, too. Names do open doors, so, yeah. yeah. I didn't meet him during Marriage Equality. Um, I was a different person and not as attractive as I am now, and um, I think the photo records do indicate that the same is true for him. He's getting better with it. I think you might remember it. <laughs> the light grey suit. Ooh. Horrendous. Probably fashionable at the time, I can't yes. remember. My main memory is that Rawa, uh, yes, I, I got involved with Rawa, at least writing to each other, um, when over that campaign, but that I made the point when it had been won that everybody else would just pack up and go home, but that there's all, but that campaigning, campaigning is ongoing, and there's always something new, and then there's something like blood donation mm. where we're still working where we're still working at it, um, you know, 15 years or whatever after Tony mm, Tony yeah. Simpson first so, campaigned on it. Yeah, so, I mean, a, my legal expertise is in public law, so the exercise of public power. And uh, I often say to people, you know, uh, the general public, public who are not legally trained don't really grasp the fact that parliament can make and unmake any law. It's that simple. Yes. If they want to legislate to kill all blue-eyed babies, they can, and the courts are bound to enforce it. Whether or not the courts would is a different question, but uh, it kind of... I think I was chatting to our house elf, Jono, um, about this a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, it would just take for a very, very right-wing government to come in and they could repeal the law. And obviously we're safe because we're married, but it could be that simple. Thankfully, politics in New Zealand is not that volatile, but... But, yeah, and and I think when we go back to um, what you were working on during the time, we had marriage equality and we kind of came to each other and said, look, I've got all of these these resources, all of these contact details and... um, people who have been part of the campaign who still want to be part of something bigger than themselves uh, and what do we do with it? Unfortunately, Rainbow Wellington, I, when I did look around, was the longest um, agency that had the the space of being able to protect this material, all of the archives, and um, elevate it to a point where we were able to entrench it into an organisation which we didn't have prior. So, yeah, that was a really great conversation at the time. Well, thank you very much, um, uh, Rawa and Frankie. Um, there's obviously a lot to discuss. So although we've reached our half hour now, and this is, um, we, will, uh, we will, I think, reconvene. And next month we can have part two in which you can go into more detail, especially on some of the, on some of the submissions and, uh, and to do with your company that you're starting. Sounds so good. again, thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. We'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs>
This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.